Good evening, and welcome to the podcast. My name is Ari Mack. Tonight's podcast will be talking about the war in um in Ukraine, and also we'll be speaking about gas prices and many other things coming up, and including New Jersey, other. Crazy things going on in New Jersey. Coming up on our podcast. Oh, coming up on our podcast. But first, let's say a great thanks to our warders from our great sponsor. And a shout out to our campaign. Um, but first, let's give a shout out to MyPillow. Um, a great sponsor ours. Actually, I wanted to say one thing about MyPillow. Um, that is true. Last night, I just came home from, um, travels. I'm not going to say where, but I didn't have my my pillow, And I was like, um, forget it. I'm not going to do my my pillow. I was going to, I stepped on a regular pillow. I was like tossing and turning. I felt like, this morning I felt so tired. And now I have my my pillow. And I'm like, gee, this my pillow thing is very awesome. So their my pillow is if you use promo code radio, you get um fifth ha- um you get thirty percent off if you use promo code radio. Um and this is a guaranteed special. So go to mypillow.com. And use promo code RADIO or call 800-544-8939. 800-544-8939. And you can use promo code RADIO. Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. March 7th, 2022. Why am I saying the dates exactly? Well, well, well. There's a reason why I've been saying the dates of these podcasts. Today, New Jersey has lifted their mask mandate in schools. Finally, we get these tinary, um... Uh, we get to see people and hear normal, finally. Um, but, um, they're not done yet. Um, until the powers are done. Let's go to our emails. And, um, and then we'll speak more about these, these tinary, idiotic people. Alright, from Alex Wiles. Talking Thoughts. Happy Monday, New Jerseyans. Welcome to One Stop Shop for Phil Murphy's Sad Presidential Dreams. Dem- Democrat Disiri. Di- Panicked midterm Democrats and other going on in the Garden State. Democrats 
two council members in the big Gloucester town switching parties. Ooh, wow. Gloucester County. Two members of the Democrat Party are in Monroe Township are switching parties to putting Republicans control in Gloucester County Municipality of 37,117 people play for the November midterm election. The New Jersey Globe that he's grown. It's insane. That sounds insane. That sounds crazy. As Omicron wanes, New Jersey businesses struggle with inflation. The worst Omicron of the Omicron winter has by most accounts this past past for, for New Jersey. At the variance peak in, the, in December and January, businesses owners said that partnage dropped off. Um, and but activity has since bounced back. Now they have bigger problems, higher costs, and fewer workers. Murphy says no, no personal. He has no personal investments in Russia, as New Jersey leaders seek to bar public entities in the state from doing business with Russia. Governor Murphy said he has no personal investments with ties to the to the country. We do not, um, said Murphy. Murphy, a multi-millionaire former Wall Street executive, said said when asked that question during his last briefing on the coronavirus briefing in Trenton among New Jerseyans, a federal lawmaker, Josh Gunheimer, the 5th District, was the only reporter investments in the Russian companies, according to an annual financial disclosure forms. An upcoming address predictable assemblyman Hal Wirths says unprecedented two weeks delay. Governor Murphy requested deliver budget message won't change the results much According to Assembly Hal Worths, Assemblyman Republican, Assembly Republican Budget Officer Murphy will possibly announce three to four year billion dollars unexpected revenue because he and the Democrats have overtaxed us for the last five years, even while inflation socks lower. Low income families and middle class said worths in Republican Sussex Warren Morris, but expect him to spin reality to be more rosy and tax cuts won't reduce this revenue.
Next, gas prices. Gas passed some $4 in New Jersey, head for $5. Gas are, are nearing an average of $4 per gallon in New Jersey. In some areas, they have already topped the that mark. According to AAA, the average price is $3.89. I saw for um, diesel $5.20. No, five. The highest price for diesel was five thirty-six, as of today, in Teaneck, New Jersey. Next, does um New Jersey's have a disaggregate dis- dis- uh its schools? A judge will soon decide. Hundreds of thousands of Black and Latino students in New Jersey's attended um, schools where they are racially isolated and surrounded uh, by poverty, despite strong state laws forbidding school segregation. One of the nation's most segregated states, New Jersey has allowed the problem to fester for decades. Now, it must fix it. Some advocates hoped the lawsuit might provide Murphy political cover to address segregation, which she has publicly segregation, which he has um, acknowledged as a problem. Instead, they were taken aback by his administration forceful opposition to the lawsuit legal maneuvering that has dragged the case out for years. All right, let's go to the next. Meanwhile, the Gateway Pundit says. The House, mem- the House lifted their mandate just in time for the State Union. The State Union was last week, and we um we made we did our own State Union. New driving laws in New Jersey, as of March first. Drivers. Passing a people riding on bikes, scooters, skateboards, or pedestrians walking on the side of the road have a new law in effect. On Tuesday, March 1st, drivers would face a $100 fine and no motor vehicle points for violating the law. A driver who causes a bodily um, injury could face $500 fines, the motor vehicle points for a violation. In actual certain, motor vehicle overtaking a certain pedestrian bicyclist or in scooter riders and supplementing Title 39 of revised status be in, it enacted by the Senate. And General Assembly, the state of New Jersey. Definitions are 
bicycle shall have same meaning as set forth. So, they're saying, be careful out there. All right, let's go on to the next one. Big in the news, Ukraine faces in increased attacks from Russia, and social media users would worldwide have taken to platforms like Getter to witness the stories from those on the ground, both Russia and Ukraine, as firsthand. Stories continue to flood the internet. It has become clear Russia cannot push its demands for censorship and propaganda without consequences. Meanwhile, a brand new um, wine store has opened in, uh, Brookhaven, or good people in Brookhaven. Their wine stores are open right now. Their hours are from March 6th to March 10th, 10 a.m. till 10 p.m., March 11th, 10 till 3, March 12th, 8 a.m. till 11 p.m., um, March 13th through March 15th, um, 10 p.m. till 10 p.m., March 16th, 10 till 5 p.m., March 17th, they are closed, and March 18th, 12 till 3, um, and they had a wonderful wine tasting on March 3rd. Um, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. All right, next. Aisle One is having a Passover Superstore coming soon. Um, they're having a brand new warehouse. We'll tell you about that once they tell us about it. Um, conservative. Um, fighters, U.S. Army, let's tell you about that. The U.S. Army goes woke, and I've been telling you about it. I've been telling you about it. It's crazy. And also, we'll tell you about the view. What happened on the view? 
um, one of the view members collapsed on air. Uh, sadly. <laughs> sadly. And it's crazy. And also, we'll tell you about Pfizer. This is trending like crazy. All coming up. All right. Um, and then, after that, another thing from President Trump. Um, and NATO. NATO. We'll tell you more about that. All right. We got our lineup. And then, emotional video from Rachel Wiselinski. All right, that's our, our lineup. All right, Rachel Wiselinski tries erasing the last 24 months with these statements in the video. Um, do we have the video? Here. Hey guys, welcome back. So in today's video, we're going to break down a recent interview from the director of the CDC, Dr. Rochelle Walensky. She was interviewed as part of a grand round. Hey guys, welcome. So... Not only has COVID narrative been shifting in a real time, but Mindless Herd um, has followed every step, every of the way, without questioning. All of a sudden, reversal. Yet somehow, they're still okay with um, con- um, contradictory Messaging around masks. Rachel Walensky has um, tried to erase the last 24 months of these statements, which is. In a short, if you believe that COVID deaths really are deaths caused by COVID. And if you think that COVID is such a serious disease that unpresented measures must be taken combat. And if you think that mask mandates, shutdowns, schools, closures, and vaccine passports actually work, stop the spread of diseases. Then there is no reason why those measures should stop now. She deleted it. And then another one. Science is gray. Science is not always immediate. And sometimes it takes months and years actually to find out the answer. Nobody said waning, oh, this vaccine is going to work. Oh, well, maybe uh, it'll wear off. Nobody said, well, well, what if the next new variant it's not um, pretend against the next variant. That's Rachel Walensky. It's ridiculous. All right, 
Let's go to conservative fighter. Um, they're great, great, um, great website. Actually, sometimes I have a hard time going on this website. All right, let's go on to the next one. Here's Donald Trump. Here. We hit the body with a tremendous, uh, whether it's ultraviolet or just very powerful light. And I think you said that hasn't been checked, but you're going to test it. And then I said, supposing you brought the light inside the body, you can, which you can do either through the skin or... Uh, in some other way. And I think you said you're going to test that too. Right. And then I see the disinfectant where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that uh, by injection inside or, or almost a cleaning? Because you see. Now, ozone therapy is something that's been used around the world. It was developed, uh, in fact, Nikolai Tesla invented the machine, <laughs> which is pretty amazing. It was used a lot in World War I for treating infections. It's basically ozone gas, which is a very powerful antimicrobial. It's the most powerful disinfectant on the planet. Uh, it'll kill anything. Uh, and this is talking about um, the um, COVID therapy products hello I'm Mike Lindell and as you which is amazing those stuff are amazing all right next we spoke about the gas prices which is insane all right let's go to Pfizer Pfizer has been crazy um a lot of people have been complaining about several, several over the Pfizer vaccine only has 1,291 side effects. And we have a list of those syndromes. Two hydroxychloroquine um we have a whole list here. Allergic reaction, test positive for antibody, um, anti-IA2 body, antibody, different antibodies stuff. And then asymptomatic for COVID, asthma, um, autoimmune, um, disease, autoimmune, Automism. You gotta. You get the idea. There are nine pages of side effects in small print, and you already know that children, especially young boys, can get micro microaddicts from the vaccine. But you should add that this list is serious possibility of them getting a brain stem and. Embolism, acute kidney injury, cardiac failure, 
frontal lobe, epilepsy, alpocy, um, and other stuff. Just to pick a few very serious side effects from one vaccine is crazy. And this is what they're hiding? It's crazy. It's really crazy. Alright, let's speak about Joey Behar. Suffered dramatic fall on the view. Face plants in front of the audience. Joey Behar is the latest hot topic. The fiery redheaded hit the floor hard on Thursday's episode on The View. 79-year-old man, comedian, was walking out on stage at the start of the live show when he when she took a tumble just before reaching her seat. Uh, cameras captured Behar's face planting on the stage with dramatic vision beamed out to audiences across the stage, across the country. Um, Co-host Sarah Haynes, 44, and Legal Eagle Sonny Huston, 53-year-old, heard gasping before they tried to help Behar get up the view. Uh, Moderator Whoopi Goldberg also rushed over to tend the veteran star, telling her just stand up. Behar needed help of Haynes, Hostin, and Hostin to get back on her feet. And a production assistant also ran on stage for for added support. Behar did not suffer any serious injury and was able to continue the, on with the show while flustered. While the flustered comedian may not be quick on her feet, just she laughed off and face plant, face plant fiasco with her quick wit. Twenty five years that has never happened. Who do I see? The longtime funny lady quipped as she sat down at the table. The star later turned serious and telling anyone who suffers a fall to monitor their symptoms. The main thing, just talk seriously. When Bob Saget fell, he died, Behar said. If you hit your head and you feel dizzy or you have blurred vision, or if you feel like you want to go to sleep to the doc go to the doctor because that will kill you. She ended on a light note stating I'm clues. BR fell is the latest headline incident for the view. Veteran who first appeared on the show back in nineteen ninety seven. Just stand. <laughs> Let me tell you, these chairs are 
These chairs. Oh, man. It's weird. It's really weird and concerning. All right, let's go to the next. Um, Governor Murphy announces fifth consecutive year without New Jersey transit fare hike, adding Wi-Fi on all buses. That How about that? Finally, we get Wi-Fi on the bus. That's great. Wi-Fi is never on these buses. It's great. Thank you, Governor Murphy, for that. All right. Meanwhile, next, Governor Murphy welcomes um, Ukrainian refugees to New Jersey. 75,000 of the Ukrainian descent will be welcome to New Jersey. That sounds wonderful. Next. All right. Oh. It sounds like we're done. Um, let's just make sure. Oh, next. It sounds like Purim and so much more. Um, Benny Friedman has a brand new album called It Sounds Like Purim, which is a great album you should listen to. Mazatov to all those who has finished. Masechta Chagiga and Moed, Seder Moed, in the entire Dafiomi, Mazel Tov, from all of us here at the RE Mac Networks. And whoever, um, whoever, and that is the emails. So let's go to our, um, videos. All right, listen to this. David Perdue is an outstanding man. Perdue's plan, secure elections, crack down on crime, put parents first, abolish the state income tax. He has my complete and total endorsement. Vote for... David Perdue is actually running for governor in Georgia. He's an outstanding, outstanding man. And endorsed by President Trump. All right, let's go to the next one. A sad note. Listen to this. This this kid is left his dad from Kiev. And he's on a bus, and he said his dad was selling things and helping out, helping heroes, our army. He might even fight, he said.
And we have been walking for around three hours and saved, and you saved us. I thought we would be walking for three, two to three days, he said. I thought we'd be walking all day, but you helped us out. He's talking to the army. This kid is sad. It's really sad. It's really sad what's going on, folks. It's really sad. It's very sad. What's going on over there? Listen to this correspondent. We did just pass yet another checkpoint, and we're actually just. Listen this. Listen to this um, correspondent um, from Newsmax. Listen to this. About to head into another one, so we've just pulled over on the side of the road because you are not allowed to film any military movement in Ukraine at the moment, obviously for their safety and for their movements, uh, so no one can catch on to where they are or their location. Uh, but there is a strong military presence, and these checkpoints are everywhere. We've been moving out of Kiev for the past half an hour to to an hour now and we've gone through several of these checkpoints now these checkpoints are set up by the territorial defense force which is a group of civilians really who have just picked up arms and have have been given one of these 20,000 guns that have been handed out to civilians and are really protecting their towns they've been across well, these checkpoints are made up of tires of sandbags and anything that they can basically block these roads with and are standing here and just pulling over cars and checking people's uh, licenses checking their uh IDs, checking our passports and making sure we are who we say we are. Uh, we have had a pretty good run so far today, but in the first couple of days of these fightings, of, of the fighting, this was a really intense situation going through these checkpoints. These guys were nervous because the, the, when the Russians were first invading, coming into uh, Kiev, they it was hard for these guys because a lot of these guys are civilians as well, and they haven't really experienced anything like this before. But since this is uh, this, we're into day five now, and the situation has settled last night, and they've maybe got used to this experience. Uh, things are sort of starting to ease up a little bit at the checkpoints. Very interesting. You get a medium size and a medium size. Next. Trump said he is running at CPAC. Listen to this. It's amazing. They cannot even begin to imagine the brave and righteous spirit they've unleashed in men and women like all of you here today. And this is some crowd. We broke the record again. We broke the record again. But they're going to find out the hard way starting on November 8th, and then again even more so on November 2024. They will find out like never before. How about that? That sounds great. All right. Next. Um... Greg Kelly broke down with uh, Tulsi Gabbard. Listen to this. All I can say is that how fake the fake news can be. Now, first, this is this is real. This is this is real news here or real analysis. You're about to see a clip from David Martin, the CBS 
Pentagon correspondent on one of the Sunday shows yesterday. You know, uh, Putin has put his forces, the nuclear forces, on alert. I mean, that's not good, probably not necessary. It's definitely not necessary. It's crazy. Anyway, here's the CBS News Pentagon guy's analysis. He started before the invasion uh, threatening. He, he said anybody who tries to interfere will suffer consequences like they've never seen before in history. If just one low-yield nuclear weapon goes off, even if he just does a demonstration shot out in Siberia, there's just no experience for, for what happens next. Yeah, that could change the world, right? Putin, he's had nuclear weapons, he might use them. Wow. This same guy, less than two months ago, on the same show, said this about the threat America faced. It wasn't from Putin, it wasn't from nuclear weapons, it was from Trump supporters. When you look at what's happening right now and the folks you talked to at the Pentagon, do they believe the biggest national security threat is internal or external? Internal, no question. Military people will will say that to you. The biggest threat to the United States of America is a reincarnation of January 6th. I find it hard to believe that a general did that. Uh, If one of the woke generals did that, and maybe it did happen, uh, he should have laughed and gotten out of the office, all right? If you live in the real world. And this should be a massive reality check, not only for him, but for any of his sources, we have real threats, real things we got to worry about and prepare for, not more talk about January 6th. And the Central Intelligence Agency might want to use this as a wake-up moment as well. The Central Intelligence Agency. We rely on these guys, right? they got to tell us what's going to happen before it happens. They've gotten a lot wrong for a long time, and that's going to continue if you check out their recent recruitment plan. These are the kinds of folks they want working for the CIA. I can change a diaper with one hand and console a crying toddler with the other. I'm a woman of color. I am a mom. I am a cisgender millennial who's been diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. I am tired of feeling like I'm supposed to apologize for the space I occupy rather than intoxicate people with my effort, my brilliance. I am proud of me. Full stop. Full stop. Get her out of the CIA. I don't want anybody in there with an anxiety disorder. Sounds like she's got a massive chip on her shoulder. Who cares about all that stuff? Are you good at your job? We do not have time. We don't have the luxury of all these silly games. That should be so apparent right now. And, uh, oh, one other thing. You know, Fox News has lost Chris Wallace. Well, it looks like Jennifer Griffin wants to be the new Chris Wallace. Yes, she's the in-house liberal. And to the delight of the fake news, she's correcting everybody at Fox. They're writing big stories about her. Jennifer Griffin is the in-house fact checker. Uh, Jennifer Griffin scores again. When she does stuff like this, the fake news goes wild. She's not fact checking, actually. She's injecting her own opinion. And she's kind of rude about it, too. When you say, we saw this coming, they saw this coming, I'm just wondering why that was still the only strategy deployed. 
Well, Jeff Harris, let me, let me, let me, I need to follow up on that because what you're talking about, if it's more than sanctions, you're talking about sending U.S. troops to Ukraine. If you had put those NATO troops into position before Putin crossed into Ukraine, you would have given him a pretext to go into Ukraine. This has been very calibrated because of the concern that Putin was looking for a pretext to go in. Well, that's her analysis. If she wants to spin for the Biden administration, that's fine. Quit. It's insane. All right, let's go to the next story. Zelensky, Zelensky had a good speech, and translators has choked up. Let's listen to this. This morning was a very tragic one for us. Two cruise missiles hit Kharkiv. The city, which is located to the borders of the Russian Federation, there were always many Russians there, and they're always friendly. There were warm relations there. More than 20 universities are there. It's the city that has the largest number of universities in our country. The youth is bright, smart there. The people who gathered there all the time and was gathering there all the time for celebrating all celebrations on the largest square in our country, the Freedom Square. And, and this is the largest square in Europe. And that's true. This is called the Freedom Square. Can you imagine this morning two cruise missiles hit this Freedom Square? Dozens of killed ones. This is... Very emotional. And our prayers go out to Ukraine. Next. I speak today now about my citizens, citizens of Ukraine, who are defending by paying the ultimate... Oh, my God. So emotional. All right. Pat Robertson um, spoke about Putin. God is getting ready to do something amazing, and that will be fulfilled. And what Putin is doing by moving as he is to set up uh, Ukraine as as a uh, staging ground. Everybody seems to have an opinion on Russia invading Ukraine, but few big-name folks come out of retirement to give their opinion. That is, unless you're Pat Robertson. Welcome into TYT's Overruled. I am your host, Adrian Lawrence. Televangelist turned political commentator Pat Robertson came out of retirement on Monday to ensure his take on Russia was heard. And it wasn't just an ordinary take. The 91-year-old founder of the 700 Club proffers us a compelling biblical version about Russia's attack on Ukraine. Here are the high points. I think you can say, well, Putin's out of his mind. Yes, maybe so. Pat Robertson is with Putin. That sounds crazy. All right, let's go to Kamala Harris. She was Good recently, morning, Hustle. Well, you know, it is not every... She was recently on The Hustle six days ago. Listen to this. Data history is made out here in these streets, but you're a history maker who makes new things happen every day. I go by the name of Headcrack. This is my partner in crime. L'Oreal, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Well, I know we got... I'm Kamala Harris, and I'm in charge. A little bit of time, so let's get it, because so many people have so much to ask you. Okay, let's get going. 
President Biden said he was fortunate to have your advice in regards to Judge Katanji Jackson's nomination. Now, is there any possibility that she may not be confirmed as the first black woman Supreme Court justice? I will do everything in my power to ensure that Judge Katanji Brown Jackson becomes the next Associate Justice of the United States Supreme Court. She will be, as history I am certain will write, one of the strongest and the most meaningful members of that court who happens to be a black woman. And I also am clear about the fact that when you look at the history of the work of that court and how it directly impacts our lives, it is immense. One of my heroes in life was the great Thurgood Marshall, who served on the United States Supreme Court, and who, leading up to that time, was responsible for the case called Brown v. Board of Education that desegregated America's schools. Um, You look at the decisions that that court makes that have a profound impact on whether or not we have a society that treats all people equally and speaks to the real people and speaks in a way that understands the experience of real people. The power is immense. And Katanji Brown, she comes from a family where her parents were first in their family to go to college. Both of them went to HBCUs. She had a debate coach in high school who convinced her she could be and do anything. And that is what convinced her to be on the debate team. And one day they debated at Harvard. And she went there and her coach said, you could go here any day. And in spite of all the forces in her life, that suggested she couldn't be and do what she dreamed of being, she did it. And she's now about to be the first black woman on the United States Supreme Court. So I know that we all are so proud of what we are on the cusp of doing. And like I said, I will do everything in my power to see this through. And I know that your listeners will join because there's just so much at stake. And let me just also add, you mentioned President Joe Biden. You know, when he ran for president, he said... When I become president, if you vote for me, I'll put a black woman on the Supreme Court. Yes, he And he followed through on that promise. But the only way he was able to follow through on the promise is because folks voted. Mm. And so let's also remember, when you vote, you're more likely to get the things you want. For those that just joining us, we're talking to Vice President Kamala Harris. And uh, if you're watching any level of news, even social media, you're seeing everything that's going on right now in the Ukraine. Break it down in layman's terms for people who don't understand what's going on and how can this directly affect the people of the United States. So Ukraine is a country. In- you hear what how she's speaking. She thought she was speaking to... Sesame Street. She was told that she was speaking to little kids. And no one speaks like that. Um, to men. Or adults. It's crazy, folks. Alright, next. Latest news on Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene. The great people. They immediately launched the Why are they in the news all of a sudden? Because of the State of the Union. They made this news. Alright. We have more we have multiple news coming in right now. Liberty and justice. We need to secure our border and fix the immigration system.
And as you might guess, I think when we use taxpayers' dollars to rebuild America, we're going to do it by buying America, buy American products. You just heard President Biden's solution last night to the country's uh, continued economic... Lots of jobs. In fact, our economy created the history of the United States... Strategist Amy Tarkanian also... Two officers who were killed in New They are for calling out Biden. So, the other word was 13, which was the uh, troops who were killed. All right, next, Governor DeSantis... Just in response, you, you, I, I watched most of the State of the Union. I did fall asleep during it, I confess. But, you know, I got three kids, five and under. So a lot of times by the time it gets past nine, we're, we're, a, little, we're a little tired. But uh, the striking thing is, is you know, we've got a lot of problems um, in this country. And that's obviously something you got to deal with. But it's striking that so many of these problems have been created by Biden and his administration since he's become president. I mean, think about gas. People are chafing at the pump because you've had 40, 50 percent increase in the price of gas. Well, why is that? Uh, because they shut down the Keystone Pipeline, said no, no uh, oil from Anwar, nothing in federal lands. So consequently, you're importing more from countries like Russia. So that's bad for consumers because they're paying higher but then it's also bad for our national security because that's effectively the fuel that is giving Putin the ability to do what he's doing. So we were energy independent and we should be energy independent and we would be energy independent if it was not for those really misguided policies that have been done um, over the last over the last year. You look to see about inflation. It's a huge problem. And it's much higher than seven or seven and a half percent when you look at things that that really matter. Gas is much higher. Food is higher than seven percent up. You look at construction costs, building homes and all this, a huge increase in materials uh, to be able to do that. And the question is, is, is why is that? Well, one thing that's facilitated it is they printed trillions and trillions of dollars. And the solution, we're told, is to print trillions and trillions more. No, that will exacerbate the problem. You look at some... So, millions of ridiculous Democrats are calling uh, DeSantis out for this video. Listen to this. Find out why people are giving... Hey, give me a minute. You do not have to wear those masks. I mean, please take them off. <laughs> Honestly, it's not doing anything, and we got to stop with this COVID theater. So if you want to wear it, fine, but this is, a, this is ridiculous. Governor DeSantis is coming under new fire from his critics this morning. They're not happy with what he said to a group of high school students during an event at USF yesterday. You do not have to wear those masks. I mean, please take them off. <laughs> Honestly, it's not doing anything, and we got to stop with this COVID theater. So if you want to wear it, fine, but this is, a, this is ridiculous. The students were there as part of an announcement about cybersecurity training. Democrats quickly responded, saying his tone was too harsh and pointing out that CDC guidelines still call for indoor masking in that area because of transmission levels. The governor's spokesperson responded on Twitter, saying, quote, that's how dads talk to their kids and that the students obviously, quote, got it. Next. I'm responsible for him, and I told him to wear that mask. 
Don Marshall tells News Channel 8 she's very upset about what Governor Ron DeSantis told her son and six other high school students at the start of his press conference at USF on funding for cybersecurity education. You do not have to wear those masks. I mean, please take them off. <laughs> Honestly, it's not doing anything, and we got to stop with this COVID theater. So if you want to wear it, fine, but this is, a, this is ridiculous. In that moment, now viewed millions of times, senior Eric Marshall opted to take his mask off. Did you feel pressure by the governor to do that? A little. It was more of a pressure of an adult figure asking me to do something, and it's just like, all right. It's just shocking that the governor told these kids, take off your mask. He pretty much said, take off your mask, it's stupid. And take off your mask, your parents don't matter. Her initial reaction to seeing her son in the video... He knows I'm going to say something. And he, his eyebrows went up and he looked shocked. Freshman Kevin Brown Jr. decided to keep his mask on even after someone pulled him away from standing behind the governor. I was just thinking, I don't know if I should take it off or leave it on because the governor, he asked to take it off. But I thought about it and it's my right to have my mask on. In a statement, Hillsborough Superintendent Addison Davis says, Our students should be valued and celebrated. It is a student and parent's choice to protect their health in a way they feel most appropriate. Brown's father agrees. His mother tells him to wear the mask. I tell him it's his choice. So he made that choice, and the governor has no right to tell no kid or no one who they can or can't wear a mask. He doesn't have that right. Meanwhile, kids to take them off. CNN. Serious political moment in Florida. Governor Ron DeSantis confronted children, admonished them for wearing masks. These are high school students. You do not have to wear those masks. I mean, please take them. take them off, he said. Joining us, CNN's Steve Conterno in St. Petersburg, Florida. Look, DeSantis clearly an opponent of masks, but it was striking to see him basically ask the kids to take them off. Yeah, John, and the reaction to this video online was swift. It blew up immediately, and you had Democratic candidates and politicians all across the state criticizing the governor. Uh, Nikki Freed, the agriculture commissioner who is running for governor, uh, likened DeSantis to a, quote, bully. And then U.S. Representative Charlie Crist, another candidate for governor, he wrote on Twitter uh, criticizing the governor. He said, young people in our state deserve to be treated with respect not dunked on by a heartless, egotistical governor with a political agenda. You know, the governor has been, like you said, a big uh, proponent of mask freedom, and he has been one of the leading uh, opponents of mask mandates. But that, that was built around choice for people, and a lot of people are saying that DeSantis was trying to take away people's choice in this situation. You know, there's a lot of reasons why someone might wear a mask right now, and in Hillsborough County... The CDC still recommends people wear masks in indoors uh, because this is this is other. Let's hear f- from the view. Everyone gets a free new Samsung Galaxy. And now stop looking at me. And now it's their pandemic reset player saying that lockdowns and school closures were no longer necessary. And you would think this would make that guy down in Florida, you know, the, what is his name? DeSantis. Oh my God. They make me throw up. 
when saying this, when hearing this. Happy, but apparently not. He was all fired up when he saw high school kids wearing masks at a public event yesterday. Take a look. You do not have to wear those masks. I mean, please take a look. <laughs> Honestly, it's not doing anything. So like he's so like edgy. This is ridiculous. <laughs> he can't he can't wear a mask. He can't say gay. That upsets him too. Yeah. He's very touchy. <laughs> well, I find for, you know he's all about personal choice. And you know you take off the mandates and you say now it's up to people as to mm -hmm. what how do they feel. These are by the way these were high school students. Yeah. And you think about the age they're at right now. This is not just an adult kind of mocking them a little. This is the governor of your state, mm -hmm. and it's televised. Like you're on video. It's going to go everywhere. These kids are at an age where people already tease and bully and like now you just you saw that girl like scrambling to take hers off like what do I do I, I just found to say that to a bunch of minors one kid looked at him like shut up yeah I like that kid. There, there were some kids that did not take off their masks and I thought that's damn yeah. good parenting right there um, because they, they they did what they felt was right yeah. what's crazy about it is this school was in Hillsborough uh, County the yeah. community spread there is so high that masks are um, I believe uh they're recommended yeah. indoors. Yeah. So he also gave them bad public health information. And I, I just thought if that were... It's just political games. They just hate him. All right. Next, we got news about the first lady in Florida. Here we go. Hi, this is Governor Ron DeSantis. I have a positive update about my wife, Casey DeSantis, after going through both treatment and surgery for breast cancer, uh, she is now considered cancer-free. And all of you have had thoughts and prayers that have been given to my family and my wife. I just want to know, thank you for doing that. It's lifted her spirits. It's made a tremendous difference. And for all the women out there who are going through breast cancer right now, you can overcome this. I know it's very difficult, but my wife is proof positive. And so if you'd want wound back six or seven months, this is exactly the type of news that we had hoped for. She still has more to do, but I'm confident uh, she's going to make a full recovery. Thank you for all your thoughts and prayers, and God bless you all. With the midterm elections approaching, suddenly everyone's admitting that surgical masks actually don't stop the coronavirus. If they did, maybe close to a million Americans wouldn't have died from it. Even Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi have stopped pretending, but some schools haven't gotten the memo. They're still forcing kids to wear masks. No excuse. On Wednesday, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis was in Tampa for a press conference at the University of South Florida. As he came to the podium, he saw several students wearing masks. Here's what he said. ridiculous and if no one else is going to tell him probably good he told them it's not good to lie to kids at best it makes them grow up to be liars and of course as you may have noticed that enraged the media they were totally infuriated by this because it refuted the lies that they have told for years about children being forced to wear masks so here's how they reacted to what DeSantis said Republican governor of Florida today, Ron DeSantis, berating... This is um, MSNDC, by the way. ...high school kids for wearing masks at his indoor news conference. Oh, wow. Lord, where was that guy right? So mean. 
I mean, serious. No, I'm serious. He's so mean. Oh, my God. Wow. Was that, that guy was... raised in a barn? I mean, seriously, this is, this is a question I asked. Who raised him? This is the governor of this your state, ABC, and it's view. televised, like you're on video, it's going to go everywhere. These kids are at an age where people already tease and bully, and like, now you just, you saw that girl like scrambling to take hers off, like what do I do? I, I just found to say that to... A yeah, it's insane what the left is doing, it's insane. Alright, let's go to the, um, let's go on to the next, opening day MLB, here we go. Bears in the spring training ballpark. Home, no deal, no baseball. That the news coming out of Jupiter tonight. Talks to get Major League Baseball players in the spring training ballparks and start the season failed to meet an owner's deadline. It's an impact that's being felt across our area from Port St. Lucie to West Palm Beach. And WPTV's Matt Sesney has been following all this. He's live at Roger Dean Stadium. Matt. Well, Michael, the change of scenery to have these talks here at Roger Dean Stadium to try to end this lockout obviously didn't work after over a week of negotiations here at the ballpark's offices. So now games start getting canceled and spring training ballparks like this one stay dark and locked up. I had hoped against hope that I would not have to have this particular press conference. Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred spoke right after the negotiations broke down at Roger Dean Stadium. The result, the cancellation of the start of the season and another portion of spring training which keeps moving back as deadlines keep passing. As such, camps could not meaningfully operate until at least March 8th, leaving only 23 days before the scheduled opening day. For nine days, the owners and the players represented in small negotiating groups met at the ballpark in Abacoa and were not able to reach any agreement on financial issues, on things like minimum salary and penalties on teams that spend too much on big-name players, such as new Jupiter resident Max Scherzer of the New York Mets. Today is, is a, a sad day. The head of the players' union put the blame on owners, and owners sent the blame back to the players. In fact, the only thing both sides seemed to agree on was they were disappointing the fans. I want to assure our fans that our failure to reach an agreement was not due to a lack of effort by either party. If you love baseball the way players do, if you love baseball the way fans do, uh, it's hard not to be sad with where we are on March 1st, 2022. And indeed, that's where we are. There's supposed to be games scheduled here, but they're not happening. It was mentioned that both sides may actually start talking again on Thursday in New York. But at this point, there's no real idea as to when any deal can be done and what kind of spring training could possibly be salvaged here. With the baseball discussions. And boy, is th this news is infuriating, really, if you think about it. Um, the last offer that the, the owners made on the... Um, competitive balance tax was $220 million for each of the first three years of the five-year deal, and then it goes up slowly in year four and five. I think it ends at 235 I think, something like that. Well, Evan Jerlich, who's really done a good job covering uh, these talks for The Athletic, he uh, revealed today that four teams, four teams actually voted against even offering 220 the Angels, the Diamondbacks, the Reds, and the Tigers. Now, the Diamondbacks and the Reds, I get. 
I, I, I get. I don't approve of it, but I get. The Angels should be ashamed of themselves. They play in a major market. Artie Moreno gives out these big contracts like people hand out Tic Tacs to people with bad breath. I mean, he's the guy who gave Albert Pujols a ridiculous contract. He's the guy who gave Rendon a huge contract. He's the guy who rightfully gave Trout a huge contract. And then the Tigers. I know that Illid's family now owns instead of uh, the dad who passed away. But the dad used to give out incredible amounts yeah. of money in his contract. And, and, and let's be honest, everybody. Detroit is not a small market. No, not that last I checked. No. I, I mean, in hockey, isn't that considered a big market team? Huge. In, so, every, I mean, in every way, shape, or form. What, what television market is it, Michael? They're represented by all four 10, major right? sports. Yeah. It's disgraceful. Guys, I'm a uh, big, big sports fan. So listen to this. It's a big, it's a big talk, and it and it's really crazy what's going on with the MLB. Listen to this. So that's just that's just. It's almost like please protect me from me. Now the Diamondbacks and the Reds are saying please protect us from the big boys, please. But the Angels and the Tigers are saying protect us from us. You don't have any kind of self-discipline? What a disgrace. Now, Mike Trout sent out um, a social media post yesterday talking about, um, you know, how Rob did it. Well, are you mad at your own owner now, Mike? I like Mike Trout, but are you mad at your own owner? So all of these players that are ripping Rob Manfred, who's just simply doing the bidding for the owners, why aren't you mad at the owners that don't want this? Why don't you say something about Artie Moreno, Mike? Because if he turned down 220, well, you know he's going to turn down uh, 230 if they have to move a little bit to get this deal done. All they need is eight teams, eight teams to completely kill the deal. So you've got these four already. If you had four more, which is easy, once they go up to 230 to maybe complete the deal, you're not going to have a deal. And good. Enjoy yourselves, everybody. Enjoy yourselves. Uh, blame it on Manfred because he's the boogeyman. He's the bad guy. It's these owners that the small market owners are to submarining the whole deal. How do you not see yeah. that? Well, and, and oh, by the way, Detroit's fifteenth television market. Okay, that's not in small. The country. All right, right, you know, right, right ahead of Denver. You know, ju just below Minneapolis. So you know, it's it's right there. It might be in the middle, but listen, there's a lot of money getting thrown there. They just got a brand new ballpark. That that city's really turned itself around. But here's what's frustrating about the whole thing from both sides. Because you see that Bill Madden was on with Russo talking about that the guy that's pulling all the strings for the players is Scott Boris. So they're supposed to be all united, Michael, and there were things that the players kind of agreed upon, and according to Bill, Scott Boris is telling no, say no. Well, a lot so, of the people uh, on is the everybody executive, being led by their nose? A lot of people on the executive, I think five of the players, of the eight players on the executive committee are in fact represented right. by Scott. But there were things that the players were going to agree upon, and Scott's in their ear saying, no, no, don't agree to that. And then you probably have the majority of owners in baseball who want to make a deal, but a, but a few small markets, and you said they only need eight of them. And then when you see places like Detroit and Anaheim actually voting against things, they might actually have more than just the small market teams. But they're the ones that are leading everybody down by their nose. So everybody's got to come together. Like, I took the side of the players because I think they're on the righteous side of this whole thing. 
but they've got to, and they seem to be united, but they've got to listen to each seem other. To and, and, and what's interesting, a quarter of Major League Baseball players make the league minimum. That's a lot. But that's still 75% that make, you know, over a million dollars, you know, that they're going to have a say at, at some point, too. They're the ones that are going to probably be like, hey, guys, I, I love fighting for you, but at some point I'm, I'm losing too much money here. And the same has to happen with the big market owners saying, hey, we get you. You don't want to play games in April. We're trying to help you out. But I'm losing a ton of money here. I so mean, who's going to blink first? The big market owners really have to let the voice be heard. They have to. You can't let um, the owners of the Diamondbacks and the Reds run this. You can't. You can't let them ruin the sport. Right. Because what I tell you is, listen, I understand how important you are. I do think it's ridiculous that Cincinnati... Literally, the first professional baseball team has to be in the situation that they're in. But, you know, how many times are they on Sunday Night Baseball? How many times are these small market teams on national television trying to move the needle? Trying to, you know, drive baseball forward? So as much as the evil empire, as the Red Sox dubbed the Yankees and all these big bag markets, they're driving this thing. They're the ones that are on national television. They're the ones that are really drawing a lot of money for these small market teams. And what do these small market teams do, Michael, when they get the revenue share? Are they putting it back on the field or are they sticking it in their pocket? Michael, question for uh -huh. you. It would seem to me that this information coming out uh, about specifically the, the Angels, the Diamondbacks, the Reds, and the Tigers, that this would lend itself to making the players' argument look better publicly no what do you mean explain i don't like it, it feels like this it lets you know that there's a small faction potentially within ownership that may be one of the biggest reasons this whole thing's being held up well I, i'm i've been saying forever it's not negotiations between the players and the owners it's negotiations between the owners and the owners and, and the, the players owners, yeah. and that's why it's so complicated and that's why it's not easily solved because baseball is not like football where all teams come in with equal revenue it's not Every team has completely diverse revenue and revenue streams. And, and, and the ones that don't have the great revenue streams, you know what? They're jealous. And they don't want, you know, I had a friend of mine just text me. He said, I know that the Angels are, you know, right on the fringe of being a big market club. But Moreno um, actually voting against it makes sense because he wants to be in play on all the big boys. And if you increase the uh, the threshold, then he might be out on those big boys. Like he's gonna have to sign Otani in two years. Mm -hmm. Otani might be the most valuable player in the game. I mean, if he hits the free agent market, just for his marketing and you know the, the fact that he's a, a unicorn and does things that nobody does. So I guess, I, but still, here's my point to all these guys: if you can't play, get rid of the team. Can't play, sell the team. If your revenue's not right, then create more revenue stream. Don't bring down the Mets, the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Red Sox, and the Astros. Don't do it. It's not It's not worth it to kill the sport. You shouldn't have gotten in the sport if you can't afford it. You know, you, you, and, and they're talking about expansion because they all want that expansion money. Going back to Montreal, going to Nashville. You know, you already have football and hockey with 32 teams, as ridiculous as that sounds. But, yeah, that, that becomes the question, Michael. Hey, listen, I feel bad for Cincinnati because, again, they were an original franchise, big red machine. I mean, they're they're a part of the fabric of baseball. But if you can't compete, you can't compete. Life, life changes, okay? Maybe it means that Cincinnati can't have a team. Maybe, maybe the Marlins can't have a team. 
Well, you know what's amazing, Don? I gave you the 14s, or Evan Drellick gave you the 14. Right. That means the Angels, the Diamondbacks, the Reds, and the Tigers voted no. The Marlins, the Rays, and the Tigers voted yes. You know how disgusting a, a, an optic that is? The, right. The Marlins, the Rays, and the Pirates have much lower revenue streams than the four teams that voted no. And, and you know why? The Rays have figured it out. So you know they're going to vote for whatever. You could, you could raise the threshold to $400 million. They'll still put a really good team out on the field for $65 million bucks because they have they found right. the secret sauce. Yeah, the Marlins, not, not so much. The Pirates, maybe they just want to play. I don't know. But they, they don't seem like they have any intention of going out. For the lower market teams have no intention of raising their payroll anyway, go ahead. Whatever you want. Make the threshold whatever you want. We're still going to keep yeah. it where we where we can afford it. It's so true what you say about the Rays, Michael, because that was the fallacy all along. You can't compete. I, I can't compete. Yankees have a $200 million payroll. I have a $75 million payroll. How can I compete? Well, look at the Rays. They're figuring it out. Right now, obviously, they would rather be the Yankees, and they haven't won a World Series yet, but... Explain to me how they could be competitive every single year, and they continue to lose free agents and, and, and trade players that they can't afford to have, and yet every year they're competitive. Yep. Wasn't that long ago, Michael, that the Pirates were routinely making the playoffs? Wasn't that long ago that the Kansas City Royals were going to back-to-back -back World Series? You know, so you can figure it out. So it's weird. When you can figure it out and you've got the players and things are rolling, everything's great. You know, but the second that things start to turn bad, like it can for anybody, oh, well, I got to cry poverty. You guys got to help me out here. How am I supposed to be competitive? I'm in Kansas City. I don't have the television or radio revenue that the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Phillies have. You got to help me out here. Then all of a sudden they, they draft well, get a couple of good players, and they're competing for a championship. Nobody says boo. So that's the whole deal with baseball. It's really crazy what's going on in baseball. And it's a lot. It's a lot. All right. Next. Start your day sizzling at Wawa. As more pandemic restrictions lift, workers are still navigating what the new normal will be. As part of our... In Joy's honor, we are doing this because this is something Joy has always talked yes. about. A JetBlue pilot was pulled off of a flight for failing a breathalyzer test after a transportation officer noticed he was acting, well, drunk. The police report said he wasn't drinking the morning of the flight, but had seven to eight drinks the night seven before. Oh, wow. Uh, and a JetBlue spokesperson said, listen. The airline has a very strict zero-tolerance policy. Internal alcohol, not okay. And we are so. conducting our own internal investigation. Wow. But it, the internal investigation was very clear. He hadn't drunk that day, but he drank the day before. He was like four times the limit. But he made it all the way Still. to the cockpit. And what yeah. have you Still. always said? Well, I, you know, they made fun of me for years on this show. Barbara would make fun of me, everybody. Not me. Because, when, not you. When I would get on a plane, I stop at the cockpit... <laughs> And I always say, hi, and they go, hello. They think I'm a crazy old lady. <laughs> and I say, uh, everybody's sober here? <laughs> and they look at me like I had two heads. And they go, uh-huh. And then I would say, good. And then I would move on. And then I would say to the airline stewardess, or what they call air uh, hosts, what do they call oh, them now? Flight attendants. Flight attendants. And uh, I'd say, 
Did they drink? No, they're okay. Believe me, she'd say. And then she would reassure me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then I knew they were they were sober. Yeah. yeah. And now. Oh my God. Can I live normal on a flight at least, please? It's ridiculous. That was on JetBlue. And, um, folks, JetBlue is ridiculous. It's ridiculous what goes on there. Because my uh, family member of mine actually had a ridiculous flight recently. All right, let's go to CNN. Dramatic and tragic new images coming out of Kharkiv. A Ukrainian civilian was speaking into his phone before he was interrupted by a blast. Heavy shell. That sounds really crazy. All right, next, um, Lindsey Graham, a rhino. Takes it to the next level. Uh, let's hear from Greg Kelly. From Greg Kelly, here we go. Yeah, Lindsey Graham, easy there, tough guy. Whoa, really, really feeling his britches lately. Threatening Vladimir Putin out loud. He thought about this. He said it on TV. He said it on the internet. He wants him dead. How does this end? Somebody in Russia has to step up to the plate. Is there Brutus in Russia? Is there a more successful Colonel Stoppenberg in the Russian military? The only way this ends, my friend, is for somebody in Russia to take this guy out. I'm begging you in Russia, unless you want to live in darkness for the rest of your life, be isolated from the world, be in abject poverty, you need to step up to the plate and take this guy out. They have no future under Putin. You'll live in abject poverty. You'll be isolated from the world. Easier said than done, but Putin needs to go. And the people who need to take him out are the Russian people. I hope there's a Brutus somewhere in Russia. All right. Brutus, the guy who killed Caesar. So um, here's the deal. Uh, A couple of things he should not have said. Oh, he tweeted it as well. He's owning this baby, right? He wants him dead. Is there a Brutus in Russia? Uh, The only way this ends is for somebody in Russia to take this guy out. Now, the mainstream and a good chunk of the conservative media say this is all a bad idea. Lindsey Graham, you don't know what you're talking about. You ought to shut up. And quite frankly, I agree. A couple of things here. Number one, assassination. Who the heck knows what's going to happen next if it were to happen? Archduke Ferdinand, anybody? We remember that from school. The, uh, what the hell was he, uh, of Austria? The Archduke of Austria, right? He was assassinated and all hell broke loose. World War I began. Stay the heck out of it, Lindsey Graham. I know you get those intel briefings from time to time. You think you're a smart guy, but you know what? All of you politicians, you just, you don't have the bandwidth. You don't have the intellectual capacity to be dealing with this stuff. You're too busy running for re-election, doing people favors, asking for money. Do not ask for a hit on some foreign leader, especially Putin. And as for Lindsay, let's face it, he's been on thin ice with us a lot over the past couple of years, right? 
And if Donald Trump cares the better of my party, I think it taints conservatism for generations to come. I think his campaign is opportunistic, race-baiting, religious bigotry, xenophobia. I believe uh, Donald Trump's foreign policies, isolationism, it will lead to another 9-11. That he's a jackass. Yeah, that stuff. And then, of course, he wins, and then Lindsay's his best friend. This is just so textbook Washington, isn't it? Oh, and then when things went south again, he was out. Trump and I, we've had a hell of a journey. I hate it then this way. Oh, my God, I hate it. From my point of view, he's been a consequential president. But today, first thing you'll see, all I can say is uh, count me out. Enough is enough. All right, I'm counting you out. I think we should count him out. Career politician Lindsey Graham just didn't have it in him, and he has been, yep, this is all he's known, politics. He's not a geopolitical thinker. Yes, I know he's in the Air Force Reserves, but he can't read Putin. He can't. And he shouldn't be saying this kind of stuff. You know what? What happens if somebody takes him up on his advice? Now, this is what I don't like about Lindsey Graham. There are some things I do like about Lindsey Graham. Who remembers the Kavanaugh situation, what they put that man through? It was ludicrous. And bringing Christine Blasey Ford into the mix and that ridiculous display, well... This, in my opinion, was Lindsey Graham's shining moment, actually, when he called this for the farce that it was. This is the most unethical sham since I've been in politics. And if you really wanted to know the truth, you sure as hell wouldn't have done what you've done to this guy. Are you a gang rapist? No. I cannot imagine what you and your family have gone through. Boy, y'all want power. God, I hope you never get it. He's a good man sometimes. It's crazy. All right. Next. We're just a couple of months away from the federal election, and the big question on everyone's lips is, can Scott Morrison repeat his miracle SCOMO, the miracle SCOMO's 2019 election win? Signs are uh, mixed. The handling of the pandemic or, <laughs> or rather the obfuscation of responsibilities to power-hungry state leaders have frustrated many conservatives, as well as his unwillingness to fight the cultures, as you know if you watch this show. Well, uh, spectator author Rocco Loyacono has partnered with Augusto Zimmerman, who you also read in the Conservatives are threatening... Uh... Others in, um, in, uh, Australia. So, yeah. All right, let's go to the next one. Um, Greg Abbott has won the primary last week. It was amazing. Listen to this. It's great to be back in South Texas. Can y'all know about my dad? Great leader for Texas. And I know that he will never stop fighting for you and your family. But Greg Abbott isn't just our governor. He's my dad. We still enjoy huddling on the couch together and watching movies. And the best deer hunting I've ever experienced was with my dad not too far from here. I'm so proud of my dad and the job that he's done for Texas. No one believes more in the future success of Texas than he does. 
He works hard every day to ensure that Texas remains the best state in the country. But he could not have done any of this without the people here tonight and all the volunteers and supporters across the state who worked so hard for this campaign. Together, we will remind everyone that Texas is Abbott country. Now, please help me welcome a man I am proud to call my... It's amazing, Greg Abbott. All right. Beto Oroki Phillips presents won his primary also. Listen to this. My, my biggest focus is making sure that we get this very comprehensive vision about the future of Texas out there, focusing on creating the best jobs in America, but right here in the state of Texas. Four out of ten working Texans do not make a living wage. That means they're working a second job or a third job or they're on public assistance. The minimum wage is still $7.25 in the state of Texas. Working Texans need support. And I'm going to be a governor who supports them. We've got to have world-class public schools. We have fallen behind every single one of our peer states when it comes to pre-K through 12 public education. Florida, California, New York, North Carolina, Illinois, you name it, we're behind them. I'm going to prioritize education by getting the backs of public school educators and teachers. And then Medicaid. Listen, we are the least insured state in the country, which means that a lot of people in this state are still dying of diabetes, of the flu, of curable cancers. He is ridiculous. All right, let's go to Israel next. And back to the war in Ukraine, over one million now displaced. And joining us is Rabbi Mendy Wolf, who has also had to leave his home, together with over 105 children from an orphanage house in Odessa. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. Now, where are you at the moment? I mean, how many children are with you now? Right now, we are on our way from uh, Ukraine, from Odessa, to Berlin. Now we're in Romania, um, in the, on the highway in Romania. We are uh, 120 kids and staff in two buses. This bus and uh, behind the bus there is a second bus, 60 and 60 people. And uh, that, yeah, that's it. That's, that's we. That's, that's our orphanage. We was in a home and now we are on buses. And being we are on the way already from uh, um, Wednesday morning, 7 a.m. We went out from Odessa and we're going to be in Berlin approximately, I believe, at Friday morning. And what prompted you to leave Odessa now? I mean, what was the situation like there before you left? Before we left, Actually, um, actually, right now, even Odessa, very, very uh, quiet, like uh, not, nothing happening in Odessa. There is no happening. There is uh, once in a, uh, once in a while, there is a siren. Um, once in a while, you hear booms. A reason why we didn't left in the beginning of the war, like like why we why we waited so long time because half of our kids doesn't have documents. 
they don't have passports. They have the they have four kids have just a birth certificate, and two kids even don't have birth certificate. They have just a copy, a scan from the birth certificate, and we. So that's the latest in Israel. All right, um, about the about that. All right, President Trump called John Dealey delay. Listen to this. amazing it's crazy all right um here's cnn from today listen to this their fake news narrative we have many fake news narratives how they report Listen to this. Level of destruction anywhere, let alone in a tiny village like this one. Uh, we are not near any military targets for miles. This is a village that has no real strategic value, and yet it was the subject of a fierce Russian airstrike on Friday afternoon. Just take a look at this. Houses all around this area were hit in that Russian airstrike. Also, um, they remember the woman who. Uh, did the um, Afghanistan reporting? They sent her to Russia. Listen to this. John, we are here on the northern western outskirts of Kiev at the entrance to a place called Erp. It's crazy. They send these reporters. All right, next. The Queen has met with Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau at Windsor Castle in her first official in-person meeting after testing positive for COVID last month. The pair were pictured shaking hands in front of blue and yellow flowers in a show of support for Ukraine. The 95-year-old monarch was not seen to be using the walking stick, which she had recently been using. Justin Trudeau travelled to the UK for talks with the British Prime Minister Boris Johnson about imposing further sanctions against Russia. Unleaded petrol prices are set to rise well above $2 a litre as the war in Ukraine causes a rise in oil prices globally. Global oil markets surged yesterday off the back of the United States' move to ban imports of Russian oil. Over the last fortnight, the value of Brent crude oil has surged 30%, jumping from $40 a barrel to about $170 a barrel. Business leaders are warning higher petrol prices will also drive increased prices for everyday essentials because transport companies are going to have to pass the cost of high petrol prices onto... In Victoria, the emergency response system is in crisis. Twelve people, including four children, have died since October last year after desperate calls to triple zero went unanswered or were picked up too late. 
In one case, a two-year-old boy was found face down in a public pool, but it took almost six minutes for the triple zero call to connect with operators. Matthew Guy is Victoria's opposition leader and he joins me now. Matthew, uh, this is just a, a, a situation that is too difficult to comp... That sounds crazy. It sounds ridiculous. The Hatsala um, volunteer ambulance um, takes less than under two minutes. How about that? Under two minutes. All right, more from the fake news narrative. Listen to this. Brand new video just into CNN. This is pictures of Russian tanks taking up positions, apparently, on the streets of European. This is the city just west of Kiev, where we've seen the Russians actually shelling civilians on known evacuation routes. This video seems to show at least five tanks and their crews within yards of these civilian apartments. We're going to keep our eye on this and bring you much more when we get it in. Joining me now is... All right, next. have been speaking emotionally about the war they're now enduring and sending a blunt message to Vladimir Putin. Putin, забирай свои войска и убирайся с Украины. Мы хотим мира. Earlier this week, a Russian airstrike took out a TV tower in Kyiv that sits on the territory of Babanyar where more than 30,000 Jews were murdered by the Nazis in 1941. And joining me now to talk about this is Rabbi Yaakov Bleich. Uh, he's chief rabbi of Ukraine and serves on the supervisory board of the Babanyar. Next. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky begged U.S. lawmakers for help yesterday for his country's fight against the Russian invaders. Speaking on a Zoom call from an undisclosed location in Ukraine, Zelensky Ask for more military support to help counter Russian aggression. Joining us now to talk about that call and the U.S. strategy in Ukraine is the vice chair of the Intelligence Committee, Republican Senator Marco. Marco Rubio appeared on CNN. Wow. He's a rhino. Folks, he is. Um, I don't call him a rhino, but people appear on CNN. And Republicans are a bunch of runners. All right, let's go to New Jersey. You might have thought, as some have, that Senate President Nick Scutari's ascension to the Senate presidency 
might usher in a period of warm relations with the governor's office, at least a bit warmer than the chilly detente that characterized the final two years of his predecessor's relationship with the governor's office. You might not be wrong, but you probably aren't right either. Well, this was one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in Trent. Senator Bramnick is reacting to last week's resolution in the Senate, calling on Governor Murphy to take all measures necessary to address the backlog of unemployment claims and reopen those in-person one-stop career centers, which have been closed since the earliest days of the pandemic. A public... That's amazing. Next. Russia announced another ceasefire today to allow more Ukraine citizens to flee their country. But Ukrainian officials say artillery fire halted evacuation efforts. Two previous ceasefire attempts have failed. Powerful bombs were reported in Cherniv, a residential area north of Kiev, as the Russian troops continue their assault to take Ukraine's capital. Ahead of a third round of talks between the two countries, Ukraine President Vladimir Zelensky has called for a global boycott of all Russian products, including oil. Reports are that U.S. officials are considering a ban of Russian oil, even if they have to go it alone. Germany saying it will not support it. Oil prices continued surging and gas prices in New Jersey set a record high of $4.09 a gallon. Meantime, President Zelensky's request for a no-fly zone over his country has been rejected by NATO and the U.S. U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken says there's been no decision yet whether to put U.S. troops in Baltic countries, which are members of NATO. Blinken said the U.S. will come to the aid of Lithuania and other Baltic nations if they are attacked by Russia. More than 6 million people have now died from COVID-19, including nearly 1 million in the U.S., according to data from Johns Hopkins University. In New Jersey, another six COVID deaths were confirmed today at 904 new cases. As the COVID numbers have improved, New Jersey's latest public health emergency ended today. Both here in New Jersey and in New York City, school children no longer are required to wear masks, and New York has also dropped its mask mandate and vaccine requirement for public venues. And while many are welcoming the change, others feel it's too much too fast. As part of our Living with COVID series, senior correspondent Brenda Flanagan went to an elementary school in Mount Olive to see how kids and adults were adjusting to being mask optional in the classroom. Principal Jennifer Curry gleefully greeted her students, many grinning broadly, some still masked as they headed in from a row of school buses parked outside Sandshore Elementary. With the state mandate lifted and masks now optional at Mount Olive's pre-K through 12 district, parents can choose whether kids cover up. Happy face signs encouraged, let's see that smile. I could cry. I'm so excited. The kids are so excited. The staff is so excited. And there's such a renewed sense of energy in the building today. It's like it's the first day of school for a lot of kids. You know, they get to share their smiles and, you know, see what each other look like. Six-year-old Teresa's mom said her daughter chattered about no more masks all weekend. She started kindergarten kind of at the beginning of the pandemic, so... Having them go through school on the computer the first year and then having to be in masks 
she hasn't really experienced a normal year in school yet, so this is a little bit of a taste of normalcy for them. It's been a hard couple years for them, and, you know, I think it's just a nice thing for them to be able to interact in a normal way. But some families felt less sure. New Jersey's COVID activity map shows only six counties in the green with low activity. The rest report yellow, moderate activity, including Mount Olive. Dawn Pearson's been keeping track for Madison and Amelia. I feel it's not the time. I feel it's too soon. Eventually we'll take masks off. Right now, I'm not ready. So the girls are going to be wearing their masks? Double. Alicia Peterson believes masks help protect her grandson, Jonathan. I think they should keep him. Why? Because he has asthma. He's, oh, yeah? he's got a compromised immunity. Mm -hmm. And there's no reason why he should take him off. Principal Curry's well aware of heightened tensions over masks and alerted teachers. To let us know immediately if anyone was making fun of each other for either their mask or no mask choice. And Mount Olive will continue some pandemic protocols, says Superintendent Zwicky. We're still going to contact trace when there's positive cases, and we're going to use test to stay. Um, if someone is unvaccinated and they are a first-person exposure, um, we're going to give them the option to test, and then they can stay and basically eliminate those unnecessary quarantines. New Jersey's Department of Education doesn't track individual school district decisions on lifting the mask mandate, but a new Rutgers-Eagleton poll shows that more than two-thirds of New Jerseyans agree with ditching the mask. New Jerseyans are now of the mindset of living with the with COVID-19. Uh, they're much more comfortable to be going back out there and returning to some sense of normal. At least over half say that they're very comfortable doing so. They see less risk. There's less worry. Meanwhile, some New Jersey districts will keep masks on for now, including Patterson, Camden, and Newark, which is looking past spring break before it makes masks optional. COVID took a terrible toll here, and the superintendent remains cautious. During spring break, we're going to provide testing kits for all students and staff to test upon their return. We will monitor the numbers the week after the return, and the, uh, the ultimate goal is on April 29th, being able uh, to share with everyone uh, our state at that point in time. Earliest no-mask day in Newark, May 2nd. I'm Brenda Flanagan. All right. Next. Continuing with the fake news. Here we go. And you're at a refugee center there in Poland and encountering Ukrainians fleeing the situation at home. What are they telling you about what they're leaving behind? Yeah, if I can, I want to just let you hear what we are hearing live in real time. We have our translator, Yvonne, with us. I was talking to Oksana. She arrived here not long ago from Kharkiv. That is one of the hardest hit areas in eastern Ukraine. Uh, Oksana, you were telling us that just a few days ago, you were making a costume for Gohan for his school play on March 8th, and now you're here. Yes. My children were going to kindergarten. They were six and two years old. They were going to kindergarten. We were preparing for 8th of March. We were living our life. It's crazy. I feel bad, but get your real news, please. All right. Governor DeSantis today. 
listen to this. Sure. So we did a roundtable with some eminent scientists and medical researchers, and the data that's coming in on this is showing for healthy kids uh, very little benefit in terms of what the vaccine is doing, and that's weighed against the fact that they're at very, very low risk. If you look at uh, teenage boys between 13 and 18, there's been an increased uh, signal for things like myocarditis. There's other things that people are uh, are trying to come to grips with. There's going to be a lot more research done, um, but you know, one of the studies that was looked at to approve the Pfizer vaccine for, for young people found no hospitalization and death in the vaccine arm, which is good. But they found no hospitalization and death in the placebo arm either. And so they're very low risk for this. We, of course, oppose mandates in terms of, uh, of this and have barred mandates in Florida. But, you know, I've had a lot of parents come and ask just saying, hey, is this something I should do? You know, I got a five-year-old, I got a six-year-old, and it's their choice. They can do what they want. Uh, but I think what Florida's uh, guidance uh, reflects is the latest research on all of this. And, you know, CDC, with all due respect, you know, they have not followed the science throughout all this. They've done a lot of political science. They, they are stopping. They, they've changed the guidance in like the last week or two with no change in underlying data they just did it more for political purposes and so uh, i would uh we we are not just going to follow the cdc in the state of florida i think a lot of people have lost confidence in the cdc uh i think that's a huge majority of americans that have lost confidence so it doesn't mean because they say it we won't do it we're going to do it on our own but clearly the fact that they say to do it is not going to be enough we're going to do our own stuff and so i think the surgeon general was um, really concerned just that this was something that was being pushed on people um and you should you have your right to make your own decision for your kids and we're not going to interfere in that in any respects but weighing the costs and benefit a lot of virtually every one of those experts we had today said probably didn't make sense and i think that's probably um uh the, the right way to view it no it's not sending a missed message it's what it's doing is what's really been lacking from the very beginning of this pandemic with how the medical establishment the bureaucracy people like fauci have responded to it there needs to be nuance because you have to understand covid is dramatically more risky for someone that's 85 than it is for someone that's five and so how you would approach vaccinations of seniors which we really worked hard to get very early on and did well in florida on that versus how you would view all these things with kids school amazing amazing i agree with him all right the wmba um britney bought gruner has been arrested WNBA star Brittany Griner is being detained in Moscow as tensions ratcheted up between Russia and the U.S. over the invasion of Ukraine. Griner was arrested on drug charges a month ago, but the news only made public over the weekend. Russian customs officials claim they detected cannabis oil in her luggage at an airport near Moscow. CNN's Rosa Flores has more now as U.S. officials are working to bring her home. As the diplomatic ties between the U.S. and Russia crumble, a WNBA star is caught in the middle. Phoenix Mercury Center Brittany Griner was arrested on drug charges after Russian customs officials said they found vape cartridges that contained cannabis oil in her luggage at an airport near Moscow in February. Griner remains in custody. I've talked to a couple of sources and they said it's been a couple of weeks that this has been going on, uh, one source said, since the NBA All-Star Game. Secretary of State Antony Blinken gave few specifics on Griner's case. Whenever an American is detained anywhere in the world, uh, we, of course, stand ready to provide 
every possible assistance. Um, and that includes in Russia. The episode comes. All right. Another person arrested. Normal. All right. Bill Barr's. I uh, had a uh, interview with with ABC. Here we go. Is it on? And this is um the first interview with talking about January sixth, of course. Take me back to that day, December first. You're in the SUV. Did you know you were going to end up? In the Oval Office no, before the day was up? I assumed I, I was. Attorney General so. Bill Barr knew he had infuriated the president. Since election night, Trump had been insisting he'd won. This is a fraud on the American public. This is an embarrassment to our country. At that point, Barr knew that wasn't true. He'd even had the Justice Department investigate. Now, he was being summoned to the president's private dining room after saying in an interview with the AP that Trump's claims of election fraud were wrong. And I told him that all this stuff was bullshit and, uh, about election fraud. And, uh, you know, it was wrong to be shoveling it out the way his team was. And then he also told Trump what he thought of his legal team. Not a lot. I said, the reason you are where you are is because you wheeled out a clown show of lawyers. A clown show? Yeah, clown car or something like that. I said, it's just a bunch of clowns. Who are you you referring to? Rudy Giuliani? Cracker Jack legal team, among others. Barr says the president shot back, listing the ways he... This guy is ridiculous. All right, next. He speaks on Trump's reaction. And justice... In spring 2020, Americans took to the streets, protesting the death of George Floyd, who was killed by Minneapolis police officers. What do you want? What do you want? Can we talk about the big lie? Which one is that? Well, you write about uh, (laughs) the the big lie being Black Lives Matter. Yeah. What did you mean by that? Black Lives Matter is based on the premise that the main threat to black welfare in the inner city are an out-of-control police force that gratuitously kill uh, African-Americans. And that's simply not borne out by the facts. In society, do you believe there's such a thing as systemic racism? I actually think the whole idea is a cop-out. I think racism exists in people's individuals' souls. By dismissing systematic racism, are you not dismissing the pain of African-American families that have to sit down with their children and have the talk because they're afraid a simple traffic stop could lead to their death? No, I don't. I, you know, I don't. Another ridiculous person. Next. He says he would still vote for Trump in 2024. Listen to this. Stop. Hang on. All right, 
Attorney General joins us now. This is his first live interview since that resignation on the eve of the release of his new book, One Damn Thing After Another. Attorney General Barr, good morning. It's good to have you here. Good morning, Savannah. Well, uh, I'll start with this. We got a three-page single-space letter from President <laughs> Trump about your book. This was in response to questions that NBC posed. I can't read the whole thing, but it, it, it's mostly personal insults. He called you slow and lethargic. He said you were so lazy and cowardly. He just never quite understood what was going on. He didn't want to stand up to the radical left Democrats because he thought the repercussions to him personally in the form of impeachment would be too severe. In other words, Bill Barr was a coward. All right, here's the guy you came out of private life to help, someone you stuck your neck out for. Do you have any reaction to that? It's, it's par for the course. I mean, uh, the president is a man who, when he's told something he doesn't want to hear, he immediately throws a tantrum and attacks the person personally. So I, I thought the letter was was uh, uh, childish. You don't pull any punches in this book either. Your book really details the good, the bad, and the ugly of working for this president. And you conclude with um, a pretty damning indictment, so to speak. I'll read some of it. In the final months of his administration, Trump cared only about one thing, himself. Country and principle took second place. And you go on to say he has no concern with ideology or political principle. His motive is revenge, and it is entirely personal. Why was it important for you to tell that truth? Well, I, I was uh, pretty content with the administration up until the election. I general, I supported his policies. He was always hard to, to work with and, and resistant to advice, but you could usually keep things on track. But after the election, he went off the rails. He wouldn't listen to anybody except a little coterie of, of sycophants who were telling him what he wanted to hear. And I think he did a lot of damage after the election, both with this idea that the election was stolen and also by him sort of rallying this group to, on the Capitol Hill, where the clear purpose was to intimidate uh, the vice president and Congress. And before we go any further, for those who say, oh, here comes Bill Barr, this is a rehab tour. He's rehabilitating his image. It's a day late, a dollar short. It's revisionist history with a, a lawyerly flair, you say. Well, people who know me uh, know I don't really care what people think about me. And I think that's one of the reasons uh, I was persuaded to take the attorney general job, because I wasn't looking for anything. I I, I... Well, he's voting for Trump. All right. Next. Listen to this. The view. State of the Union address, which we all watched. Everybody here watched it. I'm sure you did. Uh, uh, yeah. What did you think of it? I put my kids to bed and I looked at Yeah, look, there were a couple <laughs> of missed opportunities, right? Like, one, I would have made a one-to-one -one connection between the authoritarians that were fighting in Europe and the authoritarians that were fighting in Washington, yes. D.C. Like, you figure the Insurrection Caucus literally heckled him. And I wouldn't have gone out like that. They would have heckled me. I would have come right back at them. Yeah. With their, with, with, I don't see how you get through the entire State of the Union without mentioning the attack on our capital. So why do you think he didn't? He's trying to be nice. This is why people elected Biden, right? He's trying to be nice. He's trying to be, he has comedy. He wants pre to bring people together. Yeah. And so that's why he did it. But that really, I think, goes wrong when we talk about the other big missed opportunity, which was Mr. Fund the Police. Now, look, can we just talk as adults? Does anybody in good faith think that the problem with police brutality in this country is that the police aren't funded enough? No. Right? Do we think that there's a cop on the street saying, like, you know, I, I was going to let that black man live, but I just didn't have the funding and the training <laughs> to understand what humans look like. If only More I had gotten a raise. Fake news. All right. Fake news. All right. Um...
All right. Сегодня 12. 12 вечер нашей борьбы, нашего захвата. Мы все на местах, все працюем, каждый там, где должен. Я в Киеве, моя команда со мной. Тероборона на местах, військові на позициях, наши герои, лікарі, рятувальники, транспортники, дипломати, журналісти. Усі. Усі ми воюємо. Усі ми робимо внесок у нашу перемогу. Not sure what he was saying, but that was um, Zelensky. I hope it was good. Um, next, there was something that, oh, Mayor Adams, what a terrible man. When asked about the delay, Mayor Adams said he will, the NYPD's hybrid plainclothes police team would hit the streets within next week or so, polo shirts quarter, zip um, sweatshirt or neighborhood safety vest will be worn by officers assigned to the neighborhood safety teams. All right, another video by Mayor Adams. He's going to skate in um, Flatbush. How about that? It's all about the media, folks. It's all about the media. Hell yeah, it's all about the media. All right. Folks, all right. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed. Have a wonderful week.